You know, On Taking Pictures is one of those shows that I feel like I should put pants on to record. Uh, not me, mister. <laughs> hey, welcome to episode... This is a big episode. We're episode 60 of On Taking Pictures. I know. That's it's, huge. It's like the year you were born. <laughs> yeah, 1860. <laughs> Uh, Lincoln. Uh, hey, this is on taking <laughs> pictures. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, we're a weekly podcast. We're here talking about the uh, the art and science of making pictures. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. With me, fancy filmmaker, Bill Wadman. Uh, hi, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Hey, uh, you, you, see, uh, you see, I'm a little bit fancy too now, huh? Huh? Uh, why is that exactly? A uh, little little blogger profile on Ona on oh, OnaBags.com. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> hey, how about you get Ona to send us some of those really nice bags they have, <laughs> like the what the like the Union Streets or something? Yeah, I like man, I like those ones that look like coach briefcases. Yeah, they well, they've got a brand new. It's a I think it's the, called the Leather Union Street. Beautiful bag. <sighs> yeah, but big money, no whammies. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I don't have the money for that kind of thing. Yeah. That's like, uh, yeah, that's like really hey, uh, fancy person money. I, I have to thank you uh, for introducing me to Randy Duchesne, who I uh, sat down with and had a very nice conversation uh, over the weekend. Uh, Randy's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he, he's got a show at the, um, at the Brooklyn Library right now uh, of, of portraits of, of people in Brooklyn. It's called, uh, I think it's, was it faces created, of, created, created, in created in Brooklyn. It's all people who are making stuff in Brooklyn. So it's artists and artisans and, 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 and cobblers and painters and everybody. And he's been yeah. doing it for 20 years. Yes. <clears throat> That's crazy. Fascinating guy. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, you know, assisted for helmet Newton, uh, New Gordon Parks, you know, Magnum, hung out at Magnum for years. Uh, fascinating conversation. Uh, we will be putting up the conversation on Faded and Blurred. It's about an hour ten long. Yeah. So very, very nice conversation. Thank, thank you to him, and, uh, and thanks for the introduction. I really had a good time with it. Yeah, no problem. I, you know, I actually have a conversation I did with him before you and I started doing this show, uh, hmm. sort of a beta of this show with him that I have uh, on drive somewhere. I should, I should put it out there so people can listen to it. Cause he's a, he's a fascinating guy to listen to. He has a lot of good stories. Yes. And one of the more passionate people I've ever spoken to about photography just yeah. absolutely loves making pictures and loves more than making pictures, making the connections that allow him to make pictures. Yes. And, uh, I mean, both for people inside of photography and outside of photography. So he's yeah. friends with all these old timers that have been around forever and worked for many of them. And he just loves people in general, which is why he started on this project. So yeah, it's, I think it's a good, uh, a good, good time that you guys got together. So yeah, me too. I, I think this thing will go up today, if not today, tomorrow. So, okay. uh, look for it. Exciting. Very, very. Uh, you know, as photographers, you know, the, the ever, you ever watch Connections, James Burke? Yes. Okay. In fact, I was just talking about that with a friend of mine the other day. Okay. Uh, for anyone who hasn't watched Connections by James Burke, which is a 1979 BBC 10 episode series, uh, where this historian sort of technology guy, James Burke, talks about 
how this led to that, how, you know, these people making these tapestries led to this guy building this loom, which built this thing that allowed people to shoot guns more accurately, which led to the French winning such and such war, which led to et cetera, et cetera. And his whole point is that everything builds on something else. Everything builds on something that came before that no one creates anything in a vacuum. The idea that Thomas Edison alone in his workshop had this genius idea and, and invented the light bulb is bullpucky and that there's so much more to all of this, right? That, 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 that there's no beginning and end to any era. It's just these general blends into each other, that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, and it, it's, it, it, it got to me thinking about that whole, that sort of that myth of the, of the lone artist, you know, that, the myth that that the movie Pollock, which we've talked about before, uh, tends to perpetuate, you know, oh, he's alone in his barn in the springs and he's messing around and he suddenly drips paint and a whole new world is born. Right. Right. But there was also the collaboration uh either weekly or nightly in some cases between him and all these other artists, writers, poets that you could argue got him to that point. Yes, exactly. Right. And so I think that there is this, there's this belief, this illusion that, that we as artists, a lot of artists like you and I are, are these sort of lone wolf individuals who are, are making things and creating them, uh, you know, of our own hands, out of our minds. And, and, and I think that there is a, there's a certain romance in that, right? I mean, I think that that's why a lot of people get into art. Sure. This idea that you're going to go off into a warehouse and come back with genius. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's all mine. And I've had this, 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 uh, uh, odyssey like experience, at least in my own head with the creative muse I've, I've taken a journey and I've come back and, and here are my spoils, you know? Right. Um, and, 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 and it is, it is that, it, that's funny that you use Odyssey because it is in college. You think that's what it is. It's, it's this great creative quest. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, or, or it's, or it's a walkabout or it's your 40 days in the desert or whatever it is that you're then somehow going to come back. Yeah. Enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and I, I still want to believe that that's what it is. You know, here I am 38 years old. Now, the one advantage I have is that I only started in this world like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I still think of myself as a 23 year old artistically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't been wrong. I haven't been around long enough to become too cynical. See, I, There's a mm, number of people laughing right now listening to yeah, the show. Yeah. Wah, wah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the idea of collaboration. And some of, the, some of the best experiences professionally that I've had have been very much of a collaborative nature. Um, doing theater for years was probably still my favorite job. And it's because people in regional theater don't do it to make money. They do it because they are absolutely in love with the theater. They love everything about it. Yeah. And you, you start seeing these people, you know, year after year doing the circuit. And uh, it's inspiring. Their tenacity is inspiring. 
Yeah. Because they're just a fan of, of, of that type of creative process and, and, and it's intoxicating. And but do you think that there is a, there's a difference between those two <clears throat> pursuits in that no one does theater alone? No. Right. So it's sort of the, the collaboration is implicit in something like theater. Well, you know, it's that, funny. That part in, of the reason why people get into theater is to collaborate, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, for all the talk, and 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 I knew some actors that 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 kind of struggled with it because it was when you're on stage, it's just you and the audience, and the audience is kind of a collective. But it's just they they would insist that it's just the two of them, right? Right. But it's still you're still collaborating with the audience. You're playing off the audience, and you can talk to actor after actor. And they will tell you that that their performance is uh, maybe not dictated, but influenced by the energy of the audience. Right. So even when there's when there's when there's not sort of an implicit collaboration, there is this subtext that's 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 underneath everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and for the people who are the sort of lone wolf creative people, the the your average painter or you know, I, it's funny that I would even think of myself in that camp, considering the fact that I do almost exclusively portraits, which involve other people by definition. Sure. And I talk about how it's a collaboration between myself and the subject all the time. I talk about how it's a dance. I talk about how it's a, you know, so, to, and yet I still have in the back of my mind, this hang up, which, which says I, I shouldn't – I need to do this alone so that I can own this. And if I don't do it alone, I can't own it, and owning it is what I'm here for. Yeah, well, it's, you see, you're an interesting example because on the one hand, yes, you're, you, you, you do collaborate with people and, and especially multiple shots or some of these group shots that you've been doing lately. Uh, the outcome is, is – very definitely weighted by the participation of your subjects. But then on the other side of it, you're like, Oh, I have to do all my post-production and I have to do all the editing and I have to do all this. It, it's very strange that you hold on to one end more tightly than the other. Yes. Well, I think it's because I know that I need other people. I don't need another retoucher. You know, like I, I guess I, I if I, I guess if I really wanted to, I could go all Cindy Sherman and just be the subject of my own photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but it's it's uh, lately I've, I've I'm coming to realize that my insistence on all of that is hindering my creativity. Uh, yeah, I, I I think you're right. You know, I think that look, I've I've talked to several photographers who use retouchers so they can be freed up to do other things that they can continue to shoot. And I'm not saying that you, that it's, it's limited to retouching, but accepting that it's, that it is a collaborative medium, that everything is a collaboration. But I think that the, the kinds of things that I'm going to collaborate on are less, um, less the, 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 people doing the stuff that I've been doing all this time mm-hmm. and more bringing people in who do the stuff that I don't do well. So mm-hmm. for example, 
bring in more work with more fashion people and makeup people and set people, you know? Right. It's like, I understand lighting. I understand retouching. I understand photography. That's fine. But to take my stuff to the next level, I've been insistent on, I'm going to even light my things and I'm going to make decisions on clothes. And I'm going to, you know, in this sort of mad genius kind of way. And I right. don't see myself as a genius, but in that sort of vein. Right. Um, and but, I, but realizing that there are people that that may make better makeup choices, fashion choices, styling choices. Yeah, people who think about those things as much or more than I think about photography and retouching. Mm-hmm. Um, has this, this been bubbling up for a while now? Yeah, it has, and it's 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 been a wall that I've been hitting my head up against, and I don't know exactly how I'm getting around it, but now I realize what the problem is. Does that make sense? Well, the problem is you, <laughs> right? No, I mean, seriously. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I understand that. The problem's always me. Seriously, you know, the problem the, the is problem always me. Is you need to, to, to lighten up, you know, lighten up on the reins a little bit. Yeah, no, it, I do. But, but how do I do that? You know what I mean? How do I find people that want to collaborate how do I? You know what? I, I think this film series that you're doing is really fantastic for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, it's, it's getting you to think in a different way outside of one single frame, one single moment, and that's it. One now you have to think of. <laughs> Sorry. Great. $8,000 <laughs> later. Enjoy the show, guys. Uh, no, it's getting you to think about pre-moment, post-moment. It's getting you to think about uh, working with other people in a way that maybe you've only done in a limited fashion prior to. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, I think this is ultimately going to inform your photography. Uh, I think it will too. And, you know, I had um, – <clears throat> we had a, a dinner the other night too uh, with a listener of the show who will remain nameless because it will be easier to discuss all this this way. And, uh, in fact, I, I dinner, we had two dinners this weekend with, with artsy people and mm -hmm. these are artsy people outside of the photographic realm, right? Okay. Artsy in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Serious art people, but just not photographers. Right. And they all, and, and I was, and, and we were all talking about how to, how to like break through how to, how to, you know, what's next? What is the. What am I missing? Because I could keep going in this direction, but I feel like I am off course. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 you know, we kind of came to this conclusion that 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 collaboration, which is a scary thing for me, but at the same time, you know, if you're not scared, you're not growing. Sure. So I think it's a good thing, but it's. I have always saw I always saw collaboration in the same way that I felt about networking, which was that it's a dirty word for people who are trying to get ahead fast. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. You know, where I'm glomming onto all these other talented people so that I look better in aggregate, and therefore can take credit for their work. Well, but maybe it's your approach. Maybe, maybe, maybe you approach it as not what can I get from this experience, but what can I bring to this experience? Yes. 
And, 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 but I think that my whole way of looking at that is unfair and untrue. Sure it is. Or, you know, that, or, or that's, that's, this is a, uh, a symptom of a larger question that goes on in my head. Well, and especially if you're looking at, at people who may uh, have approached you about collaborating as just some sort of hangers on. Yes. That's, that's a terribly unfair way to look at it. Oh, absolutely. But I, but, but I, that's how it always felt to me because there are people out there who do play that game. Sure. And they, they are, a, they, they, um, give a bad name to all mm-hmm. the people really trying to do it for, for positive reasons. You know, I mean, I, it's funny. I'm, I'm in this business. I, I do what I do to make connections with people. And yet in so many ways, I do everything I can to, to, to stop those connections in other ways. Hmm. And I wonder, and, and, and who knows, I might get burned. Maybe I start working with somebody and it becomes a big giant nightmare because, you know, for whatever reason. It probably making, will. Right. I mean, look, the, the, anybody who has ever partnered with or worked with or, you know, to use this, this term, collaborated with another person, the odds are you're going to get screwed at some point. But that doesn't mean that you never, ever do it again. It just means that you do a postmortem and try and figure out what went wrong or, or what happened yeah. and, and avoid it in the future. Yeah, but I, I am definitely of the kind of ilk where – if I said, okay, you know, let's do this, and then we do it, and the first one I end up doing is a nightmare for some reason, ego or, you know, mm-hmm. difference of creative opinion or whatever, I'll go back and become the person I was 15 episodes ago. Okay, but, but. I mean, let's like, see, this is why I never did it before, because it's a big waste of time. Yeah, but let's, let's, let's full circle, come back to your films. You've done three of them now, right? Four. Four, okay. Each one has been. That's right. You just did one last or yesterday. Uh, each one has been a different experience. Each one has been a different set of circumstances. But you've come away with each one generally pleased. Yeah. Or yeah. Is that, you know that's fair, right? Yeah. They're. I mean, they're fun because they're just silly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 not throwaways, but they're 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 sketches in a sketchbook on the subway. That's what I'm making. Okay. But more than that, they're changing your thought process about working with other people and in what way can you can you can you share experiences with other people professionally? Uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So there's value there. And it's it's also it's good for me because I it, you know, I was going to say that I don't generally direct my my subjects and stills and and I do, I do when I'm doing the more conceptual stuff, but not as much as I probably could, you know. I was at, a, I was at actually uh, Randy Duchesne's um, show opening little reception thing the other night, and one of his subjects is this guy who built this crazy like robot suit out of out of plumbing parts or something. Mm-hmm. And he was there, and he's talking, and he said, "You know, uh, you know, I've 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 worked with a lot of photographers." He came over afterwards. He's like, "You know, Randy, I, I've worked with a lot of photographers now." And you were by far the best because you told you 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 were telling me what to do in the sense that like if you needed my arm up, you said, "Hey, move your arm, your left arm up a little bit." Where so many other photographers don't want to tell you what to do, they don't want to direct; mm-hmm. they just want to capture. The problem is, is that unless you're a street photographer trying to do a, a Heisenberg uncertainty principle kind of thing. 
you're you know you're going to affect the picture so you might as well affect it in a way that you have some control if that's what you're looking for you know right um and And look even even when you're not directing bill you're still directing you may be directing the conversation a certain way to elicit a reaction oh sure i do that but it's funny because i don't generally think about that in a conscious manner i just that's sort of more of a flow thing for me at this point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it's it's yeah it's it's the whole thing's very interesting you know um, do, do you have any conclusions yet? Or are you still working through it? Still working through it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, I gotta, I gotta put out some feelers and find some people to work with on some stuff and that'll make me feel better. You know, the one thing I, I'm glad about is I think that my work speaks for itself so that if I go to a, you know, fashion costume person and say, Hey, let's do something together for fun for, you know, our, our books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people will say yes, and they're not going to be like, "Well, you're going to pay me." It's like, "Well, we're right. we're just messing around." Let's see, you know, is let's this see if we new can make stuff good? Is the new stuff getting closer to um, being portfolio worthy in, in terms of shopping yourself around to do video? Do you feel like you're getting closer to that? Uh, yeah, but I haven't done anything serious enough yet. I mean, th- look, they're they're fine, and you know, somebody was asking me to do. BTS videos on my shoots because I was doing something for a magazine. Yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think I'm at the level where I'm going to direct a a movie. You know, a, a, an ad for GM, but I've only been doing it for three weeks. You know, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, I, I've I've created a total of seven minutes of video. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'm. At, I don't think I'm. At the, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not quite Aaron I'm Spelling. Not, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, am I getting better? Sure, I'm getting better, and that's and that's that's the that's the game, right? Yeah, just to keep getting at better. Anything. You know, um, the the guy we were out with the other night, I said uh, we were talking about what does success mean? You know, and 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 to him, he said, you know, success is the ability to keep doing it. Yeah, like is 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 doing well enough that I can keep going? Yeah, not to have to treat the ATM like a slot machine. You know? Right. Yeah. Come on, come on, big money, big yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, 20 bucks. But hey, is is as long as you have enough money to pay the rent, you know, and and can keep doing what you want to do. Now, I mean, you get into big questions of, okay, well what happens when you want to retire, you know? I mean, sure, those things are there too. Right. And 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 that but that's when you start second guessing yourself and and dis- and thinking about like, well, you know, yes, I can keep doing this. I'm I'm it's self-sustaining, but is it growing, right? But at the same time, there's lots of business people and lots of uh, uh, artistic people and whatever it is who are hand to mouth for 15 years and then all of a sudden it clicks. Right. You know, the problem is that there are also people who are hand to mouth for 40 years and it never clicks. And it never clicks. Yeah. And, and, and you, you don't want to be that guy. But what's the alternative? Doing something you don't want to do? You know, I, I heard a statistic. I want to come back to that. But I heard a statistic that said that 80 80- I think it was 82%. The figure may be wrong, but it was a very high percentage. 82% of people enter retirement with less than $5,000 in the bank. Yeah, see, that's just terrifying. I've got more than $5,000 in the bank. Well, you should retire. Uh, yeah, no, see, th- see, that's scary. It, it, it is scary, but I think what's even scarier, and I've, I've, I'm learning this slowly, but I, I'm... Uh, I see my way 
towards it now is that I don't know, none of us know whether we'll make it to retirement. So do I want to forego experiences along the way? Look, my father died uh, four days after his 60th birthday. Yeah. And I constantly think about that. I was 30 when he died, which meant that I had 30 years left in my life, like in, in my head. Yeah, no, and I know. here I am at 38. I have 22 years left in my life. Yep. You know, and but is that an absurd way of thinking about it? Because I will most likely live beyond my father. You know, he yeah, but, di- I mean, the, he you, died don't wanna, you don't want to play the odds for a lack of happiness. Right. But aren't you in some ways playing the odds saying, you know what? I may not live forever, so I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing because I'm not going to need the money to be 90 because I'm never going to make it to 90. Aren't you? Isn't that a bet in the other direction? Yeah, and I'm not saying that you that you lean that hard toward the other direction, but you know your your father died at 60, my mom died at 65. The only thing she ever really wanted to do was take a train across the country, and she never did it. Why? She had the money, she had the time, she just never did it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, and yeah, I don't want to. And no offense to her, because I, I we've talked about this. I I love her immeasurably, but. I don't want to be staring the end in the face going, well, gosh, I really wish I would have taken a plane ride somewhere. You know, I really, I really right. wish I would have, you know, whatever. Right. You know, but it, there is a balance. There's a risk reward balance, right? You don't, you're not going to take every penny and sink it into something. Some people do. That's not me. Right. But I do need to risk more than I do. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I feel like you and I don't risk enough. I completely agree with you. Um, you know, we, 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 we have friends who go all in and, you know, invest their life savings in a new project and, you know, yeah. and, and, and it seems to work out for them. Now the problem is that there's the times when it doesn't work out and then you're back to square one. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, it's, it's scary, you know? Well, look, you said something about being, too old to do what you don't want to do. Look, for if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, chances are, and this is a generalization, you've spent the last 20 years of your life specializing in something. Yep. You've, be, you've spent the last 20 or so years of your life becoming an expert or becoming uh, proficient at something. Starting over sucks. Yes. Because you're going to start over competing with that 18-year-old who doesn't have the wife, the kid, the mortgage, the house, the everything, who wants that? Who wants to start over? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 that's bad. I mean, there's a difference between going in a different direction and wiping the slate clean and going, okay, now what? Now I have to figure out plan Q. You know, the funny thing is, though, that I've done that pretty much twice already in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I went to, I went to school for engineering for a couple of years, decided I didn't want to be an engineer, went to music school, got out of music school, didn't do music, instead went into advertising, decided to give up advertising to go into photography. Um, but would you do those things without a cushion? Would you do those things if you didn't have a way out? 
And that's what yeah, I but, wrestle okay. with. But the way out being, let's say, let's say that I decided that my photography career is going nowhere and I want a way out. Mm-hmm. What do I go do? I don't know. Go back to doing, doing advertising stuff. Well, the advertising world has moved on in the five years that I haven't been there. Could I even yeah. get a job? You know? Oh, I, I think about all the, that all the time. I mean, look, everything, <laughs> I mean, you and I've talked about this, everything that I've ever done creatively before Faded and Blurred is gone. Yeah. It no longer exists yeah. because it was all online. Right. And, and the, the online world, it, it moves on every quarter, let alone, you know, five, seven, eight, ten years later. So, you know, when people say, well, what have you done? What are you going to point to? Right. There's nothing to point to. You know, and but in some ways it's sort of the you know, the 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 <laughs> the scene for Hunt for Red October where he's just like, you know, before we left, I sent a letter to the thing saying that we're going to defect and he's like, "Why would you do that?" And he says, you know, when they got to the New World, Cortez burned his ships and therefore yeah. his men were very well motivated, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's a certain amount of if you don't have a way back, then you're more likely to work hard to succeed in what you're doing. And I agree with that on paper. It's, it's, getting, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting my psyche to catch up to it. Yeah. No, I, know? I – but, you know, the, another one of the dinners we had last week was with another artist. And, and he was telling me about how um, there were there – were, uh, four or five friends of his, they all went to college together, did the same thing. And he is the only person still doing it. Still doing what he was doing in college. Yeah. Okay. And you know, that, that, and that it pained him and does pain him every time one of his, he doesn't blame them. He's not judging them, but it's, it, it, it's, it's frustrating to be the only one left. It's sort of like a bunch of people go to war and they just start dropping out. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's like, we're war buddies. We're in this together. And okay, we're, I guess we're not in this together. Now I'm all alone on the battlefield, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's a scary, that's a scary thing. And it's also, there's a certain amount of, um, faith involved. There is, and that's something that's another show, but that's something I've always had a bit of an issue with faith in general or or faith in things in life yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes to all of the above yeah i mean it's, look it's I, quantifying something that I can't or not maybe not quantifying reconciling something that I can't see smell touch taste or otherwise wrap my head around has always been really difficult because I'm always about questions. Yeah. Look, look, you're, you're talking to a staunch atheist. So, I mean, like if I can't believe in that, how am I going to believe in myself? Well, yeah, that's a whole other, (laughs) if I can't believe in the almighty powerful, how am I ever going to believe that I, I have the power within myself to do these things. Yeah. That, that is, that is another level entirely, you know? Um, but to your point about, about risk, I mean, it's something that I've never been one of those people that went all in and I, and I feel like I don't have to go all in, but I think I could go a quarter in or half in and, and 
you know, I don't want to blow the entire thing, but I definitely need to push further than, than what I am. You, you can put more than a, a $1 chip on the table. Yeah. The question is, what is the bet? And that is the idea. Like if I came up with a genius idea, you know, roller skates for cats, let's say. <laughs> Kitten you know, mittens. <laughs> you know, and, and I knew that it was going to be genius. And I knew and I, and I believed in my blood that it was going to make lots of money. I wouldn't mind sticking my whole life savings in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But 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 I've but having that idea, having that feeling for art, I don't know that that exists. I, I that's that's one of the things I have a tough time with. I because it's intangible to a large degree. There's <laughs> there's there's not a way to quantify whether you've succeeded. Other than, I guess, people telling you you've succeeded. There's no, there's, there's, it's harder to measure in some way. It's almost impossible to measure. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, the, the, the objective quantification of art, I mean, that's like the holy grail, right? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I said a tweet, I sent a tweet out the other day, something along the lines of, you know, there actually is good art and bad art, right? You know? Absolutely. Everything is not equal. Yeah, no. You you shouldn't and, get a trophy just for playing like you do in a little league. Right. And 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 yet at the same time it's very difficult because if you go, you know, if I say something uh uh, uh critical about Crutzen, right? Right. You know, well, then you're just wrong. <laughs> well, see, that's that's <laughs> the thing, right? And you could say that about anybody. Sure. Um and, and, and you get, so you get into these places where it's like, okay, yeah, no, you know, that person you thought like that, that woman that I was talking about in Mike's email that we'll get to, you know, who was right, had these big long labels that were just plathering on about stuff and the pictures were terrible. It's like, you know what? There's something that's better than a lot of, is there stuff that's worse than that? Yeah. So it's all this gray continuum, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at a certain point, it's like, well, it's what it means to you. And that's the problem with art. Or is it what it means to society? And then, you know, then you get into all these larger questions, but none of them actually have, none of them actually exist. You know, I, I, I saw a talk by a woman last week and, you know, there's lots of words like informing this and, and you know, uh, 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 inspiring that. And I'm like, those words don't, do those words even really mean anything? You know, I'm, you know, the stuff that I do is inspiring society to look at this in a different way. And it's like, okay, but what are you actually doing? You know, like, where's the, mm-hmm. where's the tangible thing? And, and then I get into these, these questions and I feel like the stuff that I make is more tangible than that, but that could be an illusion in my own head, you know? Well, I think part of it, at least, is you need it to be more tangible or you start questioning everything. Yeah, well, you, that's the problem. You, get, you quickly go down to a slope where nothing means anything. Right. And then, then you're like, you know, you're, you're, you're like Phaedrus in, in motorcycle maintenance where you're just like, you just like lost touch with the world because objective and, you know, uh, uh, romantic and, and, and classical viewpoints of the world just break down because they all just are BS for different reasons, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
and then reality doesn't make any sense and it's all an illusion. You know, I mean, you can, you can go far down that road, you know, you can go way far down that road where it gets scary. Um, and, and I do, and that, I mean, that gets into depression and, 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 you know, you, you and I call each other sometimes and one of us is really down for whatever reason. Yep. And there's, you know, who knows what the hell's going on in our head. But, but at the time, those reasons are very real and very valid. Yeah, but like when you look at them in retrospect, you're like, wow, that's some scary crap. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. What, what, what was I even thinking? I was like way out on the ledge. Yeah. And, 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 and I don't know. I just it's, – it's, um, yeah, I don't know. So, so making stuff is, is scary and, and – there won't always be a reason why, and there won't always be a good um, answer. You know, you know one of the uh, one of the practical upshots of it is no matter what you want to do, yeah. This is arguably the best time in history that you could ever have chosen <laughs> so far, anyway, to want to do it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you know what, what? Whatever it is that you want to do, you want to be a writer. You've got amazing tools at your disposal. You've got a thesaurus, a dictionary, and the world's repository of knowledge at your fingertips. You want to be True. a photographer. You've got arguably the best uh, components ever created, reasonably yeah. inexpensive. You want to be a painter. You've got uh, the finest brushes, pigments, and substrates available to you. Yeah, but the, but that also gives the illusion that. That, that, that what you're going to get is pure and, you know, d- don't expect neat and tidy. No, but it's, but it's not, it's, it, okay. Yeah. The, the tools are there, but, and, and, you know, you made the point yesterday that, you know, the tools are there, but you don't see more people writing Shakespeare. Right. But do, or do you? I think you see more people writing, you know, it's, it's, it's the argument that, you know, oh, cheap photography or cheap cameras or whatever that's killing the industry. That's a load of crap. That's not what's what killing the industry. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can go buy a DSLR. Christ, you can use your iPhone for that matter. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be Elliot Irwin or Avedon or, or, you know, whoever. You know, yes, you can go buy a, a simple word processor, but that doesn't mean you're going to be Hemingway. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you're the bottleneck, not the gear, not the equipment, not the world that you live in. Yeah. You're the bottleneck. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, is, <laughs> which gets us back to me talking about myself at the beginning and how <laughs> I need to find more people to work with. Because I'm the problem. Now you need to call, Yeah, you're the problem, Wadman. <laughs> the problem is always me, Jeffrey. <laughs> you're never going to let me live that one down. You're going to be like, no. look, you know, hey, we're doing really badly on this show this week. I think the problem is you because. I think you might be doing something a little wrong. <laughs> Are you feeling okay, pal? Uh, yeah. All right. You know what? what, what hey, uh, to, to, to wrap up this thing yeah. uh, about risk, reward, going all in. Uh, this, this video about Jim Whitaker. Can we talk about this before we, before we get to, you want to talk uh, about that now? What do you think? You want to talk about, uh, yeah, our, we can talk our, about it now. Let's talk about it now. Yeah. Going all in. Cause you, cause you, you had some, you had some thoughts on this. I do. T- tell tell me about the video though first. Okay. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's called a life well lived. 
50 years of Everest and, and Jim Whitaker. Now, 50 years ago, th- this fellow Jim Whitaker was the first guy to summit Everest. And, first American to summit. First, I'm sorry. First American. Yes. To thank you for uh, to summit Everest. And this is uh, a little documentary film. It's like a four minute film uh, by a guy called Eric Becker. Kind of a video profile of of Whitaker. And there's some some really wonderful historic footage and and uh, them talking to to Whitaker about what all this means. And one of the quotes in it stuck out for me that, that, that he says, if you're not living your life on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's a good quote. It's a, it's a great quote. Uh, it's, it's very idealistic, but it's, it's one of those things where you think about it and you go, yeah, okay. What does that mean? What can I do about that? Yeah. Uh, well, you, people who listen to this show are thinking that, do you think the average person in the world is thinking that? I wish or do more they just want to go to Walmart and buy, you know, croissants by the yeah, dozen $2 sweatpants. Right. Yeah, and then claim, uh, you know, complain that the American economy is going to, going to the toilet. Yeah, uh, I liked this film. I dare say I loved this film. Yep. And you said though, you said something like, to me, you said, "How can I make things like this?" The, yeah this 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 project, talking to people, recording them, getting stories. This speaks to me on a very deep level. This this is where I see myself going creatively. I'm just trying to figure out how to get there. Okay. And and I am all for that. And if that's what you want to do, that's great. Here's my question. I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here. Sure. Is the real is is the world for want of inspirational material? I think the world is want for good stories. Okay. I think there is always room to tell and to hear an engaging story. Yes. But is that going to, I guess my question is, isn't this sort of, um, oh, I'm going to offend a whole lot of people right now. Oh, that's never stopped you before. I used to have a feeling, and, and sometimes I still do, that there are people who end up having children and, you know, the classic thing of the father putting on his son what he couldn't accomplish himself, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that there are a lot of people who have children and then say, oh, you know, if I didn't have kids, I could have done X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like they, 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 they feel like they are blunting their own potential by creating the next thing so that somebody else can do it, you mm-hmm. know. And then putting all that crap on their kids and then they put it on their kids and they put it on their kids and nothing ever gets done because people are just keep pushing it down a generation. Okay. Uh, let me clarify something. When, when I – and maybe this is – maybe it's related, maybe it's not, but I just want to make sure that sure. we're on the same page. When I say I want to do something like this, I'm not talking about only talking to people who summit Everest. I'm, I'm not talking about only people who accomplish amazing things. That's interesting, but I'm talking about somebody who makes a fantastic latte okay. or somebody who, who – I just like interesting stories. Okay. I guess, I guess my question is uh, – no, and you, you might be right, and, and I might be right, barking up the wrong tree. But my, my, my fear is that you will be making things 
about other people who are making things or making things that inspire people to make things versus doing those things yourself. But and, isn't and, that okay? Isn't it, that valid? Yeah, it, 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 yes, it may very well be valid, but there's something there's like there's it, it itches. <laughs> Me and I and I can't figure out why. And I figured I just figured I'd bring it up because it's it's yeah. a piece of discussion. You know? No, I definitely see where are you're you, going. Are you just putting it on everyone else to do to like, oh, see this look at this guy who did this great thing and I made this beautiful and I guess your argument could be made that you make the beautiful thing about that person and, and that is true. Like this this little movie is great. And yeah. it's very well done, but you know, it's stock footage and the guy edited it very well and he has nice voiceover and you know, the whole thing and he interviewed the guy. Um, but, but that's, that's, that's value. There's it, it, value there. there. I mean, that's, that's, if you're saying that this has no value, then you negate, you know, every film Ken Burns ever did. No. And I'm saying this has value, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, this, this, I, I guess is, isn't this the, is this the easy way? Find somebody who's, who's good at something and, and, make something about them. And as long as you do a pretty competent job, it will look good because that person, I guess this is, this actually kind of goes back to my collaboration thing at the beat, my fear of collaboration at the beginning. Okay. Um, okay. Let me try it this way. Okay. Uh, Jad Abumrad. Yes. Gian Gomeshi. Okay. Uh, Charlie Rose. Yes. These are some of my, interview slash broadcast slash storytelling heroes. Well, you better start drinking then. <laughs> Great. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I, I have enormous respect for their respective bodies of work. So you could make the, you could make the, the, the argument that they haven't created anything. They've just told other people's stories, which I think is a load of crap. I think they're that 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 they're telling of those stories. They're sharing. They're looking. Their their uh, connection to that person. Uh, I mean, Charlie Rose's interview with Avedon alone inspired me for months after watching it. Yes, you're right. So if 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 you know, and and I have been told that that one of my skills, abilities, talents, gifts, whatever you want to call it, is, is connecting with another human being and, and, and letting them feel comfortable enough to talk about something. It's funny. 60 episodes in, I don't really notice that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, you are, you are entirely right. And if, and if, if that's actually... I guess I guess my concern is somebody who is choosing to do that because they feel like they would fail if they tried to do something on their own. No, I don't feel that way okay. at all. But you, but you, for you, myself, you do understand my what I'm talking about, though. Yes, yes. Well, somebody I, is like, well, you know what? I don't think I could ever climb Everest, but you know what? I could probably make a movie about a guy who climbed Everest, and therefore I will feel like I am in the same group as him. No, I I want I over the last. Gosh, I'm going to say even even doing this show has has made it even clearer that that this what we're doing here, I want to do with other people. I want to share stories. I want to go find stories. I want to research people and find out what it is about their lives that I can share with listeners. Yeah, that that is amazing to me. And and does that then? 
make me a better painter, photographer, writer? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But it, 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 at its core, I think what I'm trying to do is tell stories and, and share the things that inspire me. I mean, that's why we, that's why we do Faded and Blurred. That's why the site exists is to, to find photography or photographers that move us, that inspire us and say, hey, have you seen this person? Have you seen this work? Yes. Okay. I just, you know, I always, look, I have, I have watched, you know, hundreds of examples of, of inspirational filmmaking interviews, whatever it is, right? As, and, and I have, I've been inspired by them in such a way that I go and make stuff of my own. Mm -hmm. But I know equal amounts of people who watch this stuff all day long and never make anything of their own. Yeah, but you can't be responsible for them. No, you can be I responsible can't. for you. Yeah, but it, it, it makes me question the um, – what are the limits of inspirational material? None. Zero. Okay. There are no limits. Okay. Because what, what, what I find inspirational, you may not and vice versa. Yeah. See, this is the pessimist in me. I see it, the person who watches it and doesn't make anything, I see that as a multiply by zero and the whole thing gets negated. But, yeah, but maybe they don't make anything in the week or two after watching it, but you don't know where that, that leads. You know, for this entire show, you and I, you will always be the optimist and I will always be the pessimist. Which is odd because I spent years being very cynical and very pessimistic and somehow along the way it changed. When did it change? I don't know. I don't know. With your mom's it, death? Um, wow. Maybe. Gosh. But then again, uh, you were maybe. very depressed after that. So. Oh, I was. Yeah, I, I shut down. So obviously the. Yeah, I don't know. But coming out of that. I mean, look. Yeah, I, I did go through the the. What's the point? Sure. You know, sure. What's, you know, and, and, and for a while I was for, forever known as the Bill Wadman thought process. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, uh, for a while you're thinking about ways to hide the body and lime. Huh? Nothing. L oh, lime. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, but coming out of that, yeah, you, you, for me, Coming out of that meant, okay, you know, you've practiced now, you know, you're on deck. So what are you going to do? Right. You know, you, you're going to bunt, you're going to walk, you're going to swing away. And, and I'm trying to find my path to swing away. Okay, good. I'm, I, I'm, I am not at all trying to discourage you. It just, it just got me thinking about my own experience with, you know, so many people watch these things and they watch a guy climbing a mountain, whatever it is. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then, like, they finish watching the thing and they're, like, back in their little office working at a job they're miserable at. And right. You know what I mean? And don't change anything. And that, and that, that, I don't know, just. Can I tell you what I loved most about it? What? This, this particular film? The just, eight millimeter footage? Well, that too. Yeah. Just the production. I love the way it, it combined voiceover and talking head and historic footage and, and uh, this, th this level of, of technical proficiency, production, et cetera, that inspired me 
almost as much, if not more, I guess, than, than the content. Because yeah. I found myself going, wow, okay, how did they, how did they get that? And went, let's see, hmm, how would, you, how would you cut that together? You know, so there, the inspiration for me isn't, isn't necessarily the content. And, and for a lot of these things, the content may be wasted on me because I'm looking at the production process. Right. Trying to figure that out because that's completely foreign to me. So, anyway. You're going to have to start playing with uh, Final Cut Pro like I am. Uh, that's, that's, and Premiere. that's the thing. I need to get a little, a little tripod and a, and a, well, you know, we're doing this thing for, uh, for the, for the book that we, we talked about, you and I talked about. Yeah. Uh, so I need to get a little, little fluid head tripod thing and, and start, start playing, start experimenting. Um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. <sighs> now, if you've made something and you want to put it online, <laughs> Hey, where would you what? put it, Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would do? What would you do? Uh, I would uh, I would get me one of them snazzy templates from uh, from Squarespace and just call it a day. You mean Squarespace? Everything you need to create an exceptional website. I. You know what? They should use that as as like a tagline. That would be amazing. It would be amazing. Look, uh, you guys all know this. Hosting and software in one. So you know it's it's where you put your site and it's the software sort of the the content management system behind your site and they're updating it so you don't have to they're fixing hey. bugs so you don't have to they're adding features so that you don't have to can I interrupt real quick sure go go to their site right now they've got a new homepage create your space and and you, this will this will speak to you the the audio the audio gear junkie oh look at that right except for the iPad it's great Ugh. Actually, it's not an iPad. It's, it's a, not an iPad. It's, an I, it's a Nexus 7. It's a, it is a Nexus. Uh, yeah. See, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so look. Are they really why? running video behind the whole thing? It looks like it. And they're using Anthem. Apparently, or what, What's Anthem? Oh, you can watch mm. an ad. Oh, there's an ad you can watch. Oh, I see. Oh, that's cool. Okay, go. Sorry. You were saying. Uh, Man, they make, some, they make some pretty stuff. Yeah, they do. Uh, look, tons of templates, uh, that are responsive all the way from desktop down to your phone. Uh, you can have control over typography layout. It's, it's drag and drop. You want two columns, drag them out. You want that column a little wider, drag it out. You want to change colors? No problem. Bring up the editor, swap colors, hit save. You're done. Swap fonts. You got all the Google fonts in there. Yeah, yeah. You're not writing code unless you want to. If you if you're comfortable writing CSS or you want to inject some some custom scripts, you can do that too. It's a technical term for it, injecting. Uh, look, these things are great. They've got super clean templates. Uh, everything scales all the way down to a phone. You know, you guys know this stuff. So your stuff looks great on an iPad, an iPhone, your computer, pretty much any device, uh, any browser. Uh, you, you can import your stuff from WordPress or Tumblr. You can output all to your social network. So like, look, Jeffrey just wrote, you know, put the new movie up and it automatically sends it to, to Facebook and to Twitter and that kind of stuff. Uh, and if you buy the year, they give you a free domain name. They handle all the hosting and they have 24 hour customer support, which is crazy. So you have a problem. You chat with the guy online. They actually have knowledgeable people. So they don't look at you and go, have you turned your browser on? Yeah, <laughs> um, they actually are smart people who know what Have they're talking about. Turning it off and on again, yeah. and you don't get sent up to sixteen. Okay, well, I will send you to tier two. No, you talk to the person, and they have answers for you. They're great. Um, so if you don't have a website or blog yet, look, go 
over to Squarespace. Free trial, two weeks, no credit card needed. You even have the the e-commerce stuff on there. Yeah. Uh, so the, I mean, the the plans start at eight dollars a month if you buy the yearly plan, or sixteen dollars a month for like unlimited access. Twenty four dollars a month if you're selling stuff, and they're not taking a cut or anything like that. So if you're selling stuff, it's a fantastic way to sell stuff. Coupon codes, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, we we can't say enough good stuff about Squarespace, and they uh, are great supporters of us, and we are great supporters of theirs. Um, Squarespace, go try them out. And if you like what you like what you see. Uh, you can use the June Squarespace code, which is aim, focus, shoot, all one word. And that'll get you 10% off when you decide to buy. It's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Uh, so Squarespace, thank you very much. Uh, they're everything you need to create an exceptional website. I just made that tagline up. They should really pay me for that. They really should. Um, but uh, we thank them very much for their support. Anything else, Jeffrey? Uh, no, no. Is that pretty good? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good ad. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, okay. So it, the flip side of all of this, I was, I was out with a guy the other night and he said, okay. Does I, Heather know about that? <laughs> I mentioned Todd. <laughs> she was there too. Um, I, I mentioned <laughs> Todd Rundgren last week. And uh, and uh, on the so show, I just started recent, recently. I just started listening to again recently. Yeah, and he's great. Man, he's talented. Yeah. And and one of the big friends of our show, who will will remain nameless, uh, apparently knew the guy back in the day and actually played on one of the albums, which was kind of a funny thing. So I was I was I was telling the story to this other guy we were out with the other night, and um, he's like, "Have you ever seen the Daryl Hall uh, live from Daryl's house with Todd Rundgren?" Even though I'm a huge Daryl Hall fan, I didn't even know this thing existed. Where have I been? Uh, I, I don't know because it, it's a it's a fantastic show. They really need to put up higher quality video and audio, though, because some of the earlier shows are really low low res. Like, well, rogue. look, this was done kind of as an experiment, yeah. Uh, initially, uh, now it's a TV show and 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 whatnot. But it was it was just daryl saying hey i know a bunch of people and how'd you like to come out to the house and we'll have a meal and we'll have a little jam session and, and yeah. we'll see what happens and the reason i bring this up uh other than the fact that it's awesome um <laughs> is the fact that this is proof that at a certain level and i don't know if it's when you achieve a certain amount of success or when you get older or when you become more mature as an artist all the bickering between people just falls away, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, you know, he has Rungren over there and they're sitting down and they're like, Oh, let's do this tune. And you know, his, uh, Daryl Hall's band has rehearsed it a little and they're like, Oh yeah. And this part, Oh yeah. You, you take the first verse. I'll take the second verse. Okay. Yeah. We'll do that harmony in the third thing. Okay. One, two, three, and boom. And they're in and, and they are having a blast doing it. Like every single scene where they're playing, Daryl Hall's just got a big smile on his face. Yeah. You know, just like the pure love and joy of, of, of what they're doing. Yeah. And I just, I just, I, I bring it up as an example of how, you know, it, the art world makes art a competition. It makes art into Top Chef. When in reality, <laughs> yeah. Right? When yeah. in reality, that's nothing about that has nothing to do with art. That you has everything to do with the business of art, maybe. Right. But it has nothing to do with art, and it's and and 
I, I like the idea that at a certain level, you could just make stuff with people and it's the joy of making stuff for you and with other yeah. people. And it gets back to the collaboration thing and just seeing people doing it for the right reasons is such a, a, a great thing. You know, one of the other things I like about this show is the shadow, and I mean this in a good way, that Daryl Hall casts in the music industry. I mean, not one person is like, oh, yeah, this is this will be fun. This will yeah. be okay. I mean, everybody is just so excited to sing with him. And he... They just want to sing is, Rich Girl. Yeah. And he's so excited to sing them. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter if he's singing a Jason Mraz song. Or, oh, my God. Know. When he's singing Remedy, the second verse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. It's Daryl Hall singing. Yeah. Like rapping, and, essentially. And he's, like, know, really getting into it. Yeah. And you've got... You've got... I mean, there there is such... No matter what kind of music you're into, by and large, uh, he's he's done something with. I mean, from yeah, Rundgren, like you mentioned, yeah. um, there was a great one with Sharon Jones from Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Um, just you know, uh, Joe Walsh was on it. Yeah. Um, the the Rob Thomas one from Matchbox Twenty that yep. was a great one. Like heavies, you know, yeah. and the, and the, and the, and. There, there's a level of musicianship, like they're in the Rungaroan one time when they're figuring something out, and like they're like, oh yeah, there's that vocal, there parts, oh yeah, you sing this, oh, oh, they do the like thing, and Rungaroan's like, wow, you guys like know music and stuff, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, as a joke, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and but it's true, it's it's just it's nice that these guys are are on that level and are are playing, they're playing big big league ball. You know what I mean? It's sure. it's like it's like a bunch of, of of guys who retired and are in their fifties and sixties, like ball players, like going out and just playing a pickup game. Yeah, that's what it feels like, and it's like, but it brings back the joy of why they started it in the first place. Yeah, and I, I just I just love everything about it. Now, the funny thing about it, and we'll put a we'll put a link in the show notes. The funny thing about it is that I also found a a a stupid thing on flavorwire.com and it's it's 30 harshest filmmaker on filmmaker insults in history <laughs> have you seen wait, wait, this? just it's just filmmakers tearing each other down yeah yeah like uh ua bowl on michael bay i'm not an effing retard like michael bay <laughs> wow and and uh uh you know uh uh werner herzog on abel ferrera I have no idea who Abel Ferrer is, but let him fight the windmills. I've never seen a film by him. I have no idea who he is. Is he Italian? Is he French? Who is he? <laughs> like just, just you know, just these like genius things. And then they go back to that quote of uh, Tim Burton talking about Kevin Smith saying, "Anyone who knows me knows that I would never read a comic book, and I would especially never read anything created by Kevin Smith." <laughs> and then Kevin Smith says, "Which explains to which which to me explains Batman." <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, Alex Cox on Steven Spielberg. Spielberg isn't a filmmaker. He's a confectioner. Ouch. You know, like, but they're they're fascinating, you know, in that it's all these guys who are generally younger, well, some middle age, who are just ripping each other apart, right? Kevin Smith on Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, uh, specifically Magnolia. I'll never watch it again, but I will keep it. I'll keep it right on my desk as a constant reminder that a bloated sense of self-importance is the most unattractive quality in a person yeah. or their work. But then the next one, David Gordon Green on Kevin Smith, he created a kind of special Olympics for film. <laughs> They're just kind of lowered the standard. I'm not sure if their parents are proud, but it's just nothing I care to buy a ticket for. Uh, so so there's harsh. a certain – yeah, but there's a certain amount of like, okay, these guys – now, 
when they're in their 80s, are these guys still going to be talking like this? Or are they going to be like, oh, I remember back in the day when we were making movies and, you know, uh, will they be Daryl Halls or are they going to? I hope they take the Daryl Hall route. Yeah, me too. And I guess that's what the, the, this is the whole reason I bring it up is that like it's it's the two flip sides of where art can go. You can right. become a cranky bastard or, you know, or, or you can become Daryl Hall. And who doesn't want to be Daryl Hall? Yeah. He does have fabulous hair. She's a rich girl. <laughs> See, now, if you had your piano hooked up, you could you could have just played us in a little bit. I could have, actually. Sorry. Next time. Yeah. I'll get a whirly set up. Um, I don't know. Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, yeah, uh, go watch it if you haven't seen it. Look, Mike Sas- uh, Sakasagawa sent us an email weeks ago. He's, he's mad at you for ignoring him. He did. He yelled at us. Mike, I brought it up every week and he shut me down. He's such a lying is that, bastard. Is that true? <laughs> is that true? That's true, right? I like that. Is that, is that true? I did that, right? So <laughs> Mike wrote us this email, which I almost feel like we need to find a, a way of sharing in some way because it's huge. I wonder if he'd let us. Uh, ask. Ask, ask him if we can. Yeah. And if so, we can put it in the show notes next time. Um, and it, 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 it's a long diatribe in which he actually uh, transcribes part of our conversation. And I have to admit, when I first read this and I read our conversation, I was like, wow, we actually sound pretty good. <laughs> I was like, I wow. would listen to that show. <laughs> wow. Wait, I do listen to that show. Yeah, wait a minute. Um, and it's, it's talking about conceptually driven art. It's talking about the art world. It's talking about uh, the inaccessible, uh, inaccessibility of, 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 of works of art. And, and, and it's, either, it's either a failure of craft or a statement of contempt. You know, like all these like crazy uh, right. things that he's talking about. Uh, not to mention pedantic objectivism. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, you know, it, I don't know. What, it, I, there's so much to say about this. Where, where do we start? Uh, I don't know. Because reading this, not only did it take me in different directions just from the content, but but the fact that, that, a, that a listener would would – take that much time uh, to think critically and respond and uh it, it really meant a lot mike so so thank you for that um but where to start I, you know i mean this this kind of touches on everything that we've that this show is about yeah mike actually consolidated 60 episodes into five paragraphs um you know he's you know he says uh, you know uh, trying to decide settle for myself whether the kind of egalitarian inclusive approach to understanding art that I seem to be in favor of has any limits. And if so, what are those limits? Am I really saying that anything goes when it comes to arts? I don't know. Maybe I don't like the idea of art, uh, of art that's mean or intentionally condescending. I have a lot of trouble with appropriation art. I haven't really settled for myself whether art has to be about something or whether it has to try to say something. I don't really like the idea of saying that it does. But whenever I run into an artist who claims he's not trying to say anything, I find this happens most with painters for some reason. My first reaction is always to wonder why he's bothering to make anything, you know, at all. And mm-hmm. it's – I mean these are, these are like those – you know, it's sort of the edge case studies that allow you to define something, you know. Yeah, I, I, uh, there's another – what this says to me is art need not be universal, that some experience is valid 
even important experiences are simply not going to be accessible to every potential audience member. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Or rather, if it is bad, it's bad in a way that's tragic for the artist rather than condemnatory of him. Do you, do you think that there's no art that speaks to everyone? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think there's art that's recognizable to everyone. And, and there's, there are, there are certain things that, that everyone who sees, you know, everybody who would see that the Mona Lisa is art, but does it speak to you? Probably not. Yeah. But Sistine ceiling. Yeah. But you know, I mean, what is that? It's art now, but it was product then. True. He was paid. He was being paid to do a job. True. It's very, that was, that was a commission. So is it art? I don't know. God, man, that's, that's the problem with all this question. Is, is there even a question in answer to the questions that we ask every week? I hope not because, I, you know, <laughs> I, we I need I, another I, 10 episodes of the show. Yeah, no, I, I you know, <laughs> I, I talked about a little bit about Rilke and that, that quote about living the questions. I, I love the questions. Yeah. You know, if there are more questions, then then that gives you more to think about, more to work towards. You know, if suddenly there's an answer, now where do you go? Where do you go? I mean, if there's a definitive answer of what is art, then then there's nothing left to talk about. Because you can just point to this and go, well, this guy, you know, that this is it. That's it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But at the same time, aren't we all trying to answer those questions? Isn't that the pursuit that we're we're doing? Uh I think some people are if, trying to answer them. If you're basically sure. saying, all right, you know, we're on the road trying to get to Timbuktu, but you know what? Timbuktu doesn't really exist, but just keep walking on that road. Well, I mean, you've got to, yeah, there, 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 you've got to qualify it yeah. somehow. I mean, Mike says in here, does, does, do you think art has to be about something? Does art need to be about something, Jeffrey? I think art is about something, whether you expected it or intended it to be or not, because, because the viewer will make it about something. I don't, I don't know what, what was in the mind of, of, you know, Rothko or, or Helen Frankenthaler or, or, you know, de Kooning or any, I don't know what they were thinking when they were painting something. So, but, but I can look at those paintings and draw something out of them. So yes, they become about something. They become about something related to my own experience. Right. So they, they, they only become something upon reflection onto you. In, in this example, yes. Now, if I, if I, there have been times where I've read, you know, the title card on a piece and after looking at it, because a lot of times when I go into a, a gallery or a museum, I want to look at the pieces and then read, you know, any sort of description or, or, or context. And, and see where my experience and, and the artist's experience either, either converge or diverge, right? Right. So there have been any number of times where I've, I've taken away some sort of interpretation of a piece and then I go up and read about it and I go, well, that's not right. You know, that's, that's my first response. Like, well, they're clearly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not what this is about. They don't get this painting at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and – Maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not. But that's my reaction. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, and when I find out what they were thinking, there have been times where I feel cheated, where I go, well, now it doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, my story was much better for me. You know, Mike says that he, he, he does, he has trouble connecting with portraiture. He, he appreciates the technique, but it rarely moves him. Um, <clears throat> he says, Bill, I'd love to know if you see your work as being about something. And if so, what? Hmm. Uh, you mean individually? Is he, is he talking individual pieces or overall? Uh, I don't know, but I guess we can tackle that in sort of both. Is um, your book about anything? Well, I think, I think my conceptual work, there, there, it's, it's about condensing time into a single image, right? It's, it's, it's telling a story in a single picture. Um, and it, it, it's more of a, it's often as much of an intellectual exercise as it is something that I would claim to be art in, in a, in a ethereal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're talking about sort of straight portraiture, you know, is, is my picture of Gladwell, is that, is that art? I don't know. Um, it's a nice picture of Malcolm Gladwell. I, you know, I, you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, what is, what is anything, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I, the interesting thing about, Portraits for to me. the The reason I find them interesting is that everyone is tr is is unique, right? So no two portraits are ever going to be the same. See what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. And 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 regardless of <laughs> if you lit twenty people exactly the same way, right? Still going to be different. And the 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 flip side of that though is that I don't know. I want you to think that you are seeing cap that I have the, the, the platonic ideal of portraiture is that you are somehow capturing that person on film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that actually happens. I think sometimes I get pieces that are sort of glimpses, reflections of, you know, secondary uh, shadows on the wall of what the person actually is. And I've taken a picture of that shadow. Um, so it gives you one angle on the person. Literally. Uh, but I think that a lot of times that kind of thing is, is that's an illusion too, right? It's, it's, it's the illusion that you think you know Malcolm Gladwell because you saw my picture of him and you say, oh, I imbue something from that picture, right? But really what you're just doing is putting whatever is in your head onto that person. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you see what you want to see, you know? Maybe you like the guy's writing. So you're like, oh, look how much he's thinking about. Maybe you hate his writing. You say, oh, look at he's looking stuffy and pedantic. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's not thinking about his writing at all. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, is, is do I look at other people's portraiture and say, wow, you know, uh, uh, um, I don't know. Let's say Irving Penn. Did he really, you know, get Aaron Copeland in a way that no one else, you know, I don't know. I'll look at it and say, wow, that's a really great photograph portrait of Aaron Copeland. Is it, is it because it's, am I actually getting Aaron Copeland or am I just getting a pretty photograph and the fact that it's a person and I am hardwired all the way down to my alligator reptilian brain to respond to faces. Mm -hmm. It could be, Would it could be that simple. Like the, the illusion might actually be a true illusion and it's all really meaningless and we just give it meaning because that's the way our brains are wired to work. When you look at portraiture. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Okay. You, you are a portrait photographer. When you look at a portrait, 
what's the first thing that hits you? The, the, the soul or lack thereof captured in the subject or the proficiency or lack thereof in the way it was lit or captured? I'm looking at other people's work in this case. Yes. Um, yes. Oof. Um, if it's the a tough f- one, right? Yeah. If, if the, if the first thing doesn't hit me, I start analyzing the second, but what, but it, what you, you what could argue that you, the, you know, it's, it's the whole thing about art where something works or it doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, and if a picture works, then great. You know, can and, a and great, then, can a great portrait be badly lit? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, badly, I mean, that's a, that's a value judgment, right? Like, what does that even mean, you know? Uh, well, you know what it means when you see it. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like porn, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you know what it means. You, you, you can look at a portrait and go, oh, Christ, you know? Uh, that, yeah. But, but does that inhibit you from... But there's plenty of terrible pictures that are, or are great portraits that are terribly lit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because they were in the right place at the right time with a person who was, you know, it's, it's, man, these are really, these are really tough questions because I don't know that there are actual answers to them. Mm-hmm. And maybe there aren't. No, no. And, maybe and, there aren't. and ultimately I just, I want to keep making, I want my percentage of works I want my, my success percentage to go up. I want my batting average to go up. Mm -hmm. I want a higher percentage of my portraits that I take to be looked at by your average person and go, Oh yeah, that works. You know, where do you feel like you're at now? 60 batting 600. Mm -hmm. Now the thing is, is that, you know, to bring up Irving Penn say, have we done Irving Penn as a photographer of the week? Uh, we really should if we haven't. I don't know anyway. if we haven't. We should. Um, is is <laughs> foreshadowing? Yeah. Um, we the pictures we see. You know, you go to a show of his work and you see sixty portraits. Man, you don't see all the bad ones. No. You know, you're seeing the picture of Truman Capote and the picture of uh, right. you know. Uh, um, you know, well, that, I mean, you could say that say the same thing about everyone. Yeah, you exactly. Could say right? the same thing about Winogrand. Right. So you know, anybody street photographers, especially. I mean, they're they're hitting their batting percentage is probably terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, this just by by whatever you know, just by numbers, it's a numbers game. Um, but but I don't mean that that necessarily it doesn't necessarily make it all meaningless, right? No, not at all. Um, so, so, you know, everyone's always picking and choosing. I take a hundred pictures of somebody. I'm choosing the one or two that actually are the best. I, I did, I worked, I did work for a client last week and, um, and I sent the pictures to them and had them choose and they sent me like their selects and I was like, oh, you didn't choose the right ones, <laughs> you know? And I mean, I, I don't send people a ton of pictures. If I took 80 pictures of each of them, I sent them each 10, 12, you know? So what do you do in that case? <clears throat> Do you go with their selects or do you go, hey, did you, did you see this, this, and this? Uh, in this case, I went with the selects. Mm-hmm. You know, you pick your battles, right? Um, maybe if I really like one of the pictures they didn't take, I'll retouch it and throw it in anyway. Like, you know, I really like this one, so I'm going to give it to you for free. Mm-hmm. You know, hoping that maybe they go, oh, yeah, that is really nice, but I'm going to use that one. And so if it has my name on it, I want it to look better. 
Right. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. Big show know. today, right? Huge show today. Yeah. Yeesh. It's super dense. I need, I need, I need to go, I need to go to therapy after this therapy session. Ah, <laughs> Hey, uh, we should talk about our second sponsor. Wait, another one? Yeah. We get two? Yeah. Is it, yeah. is it? Who do you think it is? The Capital One card? <laughs> That'd be awesome if it was, wouldn't it? What's in your wallet? <laughs> you, know, you know who's got them? Who, who has Al- them? Al- Alec Baldwin on, oh, on here's see, the thing. This, this is what we want. We want the big guys. He's got, no, 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 no. I don't. I like our guys. Yeah, it's true. We, we have, we have, I like our guys. We have good sponsors. Yeah. So uh, what do you got for me? Shutterstock.com. Shutterstock.com. Everything you need to build. No, that's not right. No, no. That's not uh, right. Uh, where you go for over 62 stock photos, illustrations, <laughs> vectors, and videos. Uh, they have slightly more than 62. Yeah, yeah. Tw- 25 I know 62 is on your mind because that's the year you were born. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, 25 million. Stock. Hey, you know, I was thinking about a video project okay. and I was like, just, just honestly, this is, this is not uh, timed uh, or staged or anything. I was thinking about a video project and I was like, uh, I need some, I, I would only want to do this if I had, if I could shoot, you know, XYZ video and I'm not going to say what it was, but went to Shutterstock and they had, and this was pretty specialized and they had like 475 clips of exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> You know, it was the weirdest. Because, I mean, we, we joke about this every week, but it, 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 there's really stuff there that, that like real world things that, that, that will help, you know, allow you to do these projects. So, yeah. anyway, you know, I, this I, is a little aside. I just, I just looked up um, back to your uh, thing about the, the, the guy climbing Everest. I just looked up Everest, and there are 337 video clips, 250 of which are HD, of people climbing Everest. You know that you yeah. could, you could buy stock footage. I mean, this yeah. is insane. Um, you know, and and what are the odds that you're going to get up to Everest to shoot some time lapse of clouds passing in front of the peaks? Probably not very, you know, likely. Gary Yost would do it. Well, yeah, he would. <laughs> he'd, he'd rent a helicopter and get up there and just do it upright. <laughs> um, and he'd make a whole lot of money on Shutterstock by selling his, his that's, videos. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, no, they, they have everything. They have uh, that perfect image for your website ad publication or creative project. They're, look, it's, 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 it's the little piece of stock that you need to add into a composite. It's the, the, the video clip of the footage, you know, flying over the Grand Canyon for your, for your movie you're making about the teenage girls who get lost in the Grand Canyon and get killed by the ghost of, you know, Jeffrey. But go um, on. Go on. Is this a thing? <laughs> this would be a good movie. I would watch this. <laughs> He's he's like as long as the girls got naked. No, um, no, no. Uh the uh they, look, they've got everything and they they had 10,000 new images a day. Yeah. And they don't charge you for extra for large files. Images are cheap. How much how much is a single one, Jeffrey? Uh, I think it starts at $19. $19, right? So you but that's, pay- I think that's two $19 is two images or uh, a single uh, – no, I'm sorry. Yeah, or a single web res uh, clip. Okay, perfect. Look, they don't nickel and dime you. You get the high res stuff when you need it. 
if you need it, take it, the high-res stuff. If you need low-res, you can download that. You can curate and share pictures via light boxes. You can choose your favorite pictures and videos. Add them to your own light box gallery while you search. Uh, they have an iPad app, so you can search through stuff and stick it in light boxes. You can even set up a, an account, a free account, uh, a free browse account, so you can set up your light boxes and that kind of stuff. If you go to Shutterstock.com, you can even you can even buy images to stick on pieces of swag for a trade show or something like that. They they, they do that these enhanced licenses as well. Uh, they've got everything you could possibly need, uh, and you get a, an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. Twenty four hour support during the week. Uh, if you decide you should go there buy some stuff when you decide to purchase. Uh, use your offer code pictures six and you'll get 30% off of any package. These packages are crazy. They'll give you, uh, uh, 25 images a day, right? Yes. Uh, image. Yeah. 25 images a day. Uh, and you can buy them a month, three months or a year at a time. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for video, they've got, uh, video packages, uh, that you can, you can do web format, or HD or standard definition. You know, I you know I, I made the joke a couple of times that people like Josh Topolsky need this, and mm-hmm. then recently I was on The Verge, and it was it, it said Shutterstock down in the corner of a bunch of the pictures. Seriously, I was like, yeah, that's funny. And you know who else uses it? Huffington Post. Well, of course they do. Yeah. Uh, so look, these people are great. You can get if you need a lot of images, this is the place to go. You get up one of these subscriptions, and you can get twenty five images a day. It's insane. For all your posts. Uh, so go sign up for your free browse account at Shutterstock.com. You don't need a credit card. When you decide to buy, use the offer code PICTURE6, and you'll get 30% off your package. Uh, and uh, we thank Shutterstock very much for their support. Thank you, Shutterstock. Anything else we want to add today before we get to our photographer of the week? Or we- Oh, one last thing. I found... You're going to talk about E3? No? Uh, mm-hmm. No. Was no. I supposed to talk about E3? I don't, I don't know. Um, I know how you love the video games. (laughs) (laughs) I do love video games. Wait, what are video games? Yeah. 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 Hey, just as an aside, seriously, uh, if you've got an iPhone, yeah, there, there's this game called dots. It's free on the, on the app store. I have heard tell of it. Uh, I, I'm crazy addicted to this game. Really? Yeah. It is so incredibly fun. It's called dots. And, and as you would surmise, it does involve dots and, and it's, it's fantastic. It's the simplest game, but it is so incredibly, uh, addictive. Uh, go check it out for yourself. It's really that it, good. It's really fun. It, it is, dare I say, one of the perfect examples of mobile gaming. Just go in, go the game for, look, the games are limited to 60 seconds. So oh, really? oh, those are fast. Yeah, you're not going to get sucked in, but man, is it fun. Yeah, so dots. Anyway. Um, you know, I've been going back and forth with one of the, one of, one of the uh, people in the communities. Yeah. Because he had a great picture. And I said, hey, would you consider a print swap? And he and I have been going back and forth. You know, we've talked about that. Yeah, well, we've talked about it. And I actually uh, um, am in the process of making it happen with somebody. Okay. And we need I, to make an official thing. Like, how can we, how can we well, do that? So I, the, the reason I bring this up is because the way that I'm doing it seems to like it's going to work. Okay. So yeah. you, will, you will share hopefully next week whether it worked and, and how we can implement it on a broader scale. Yeah. I mean, pretty much what I did was I wrote a little comment on his post and just said, hey, you know, 
These are really great. Would you consider a print swap? And we've now been going back and forth uh, via um, uh, we've been going back and forth via uh, email, trying to decide which one and which. And we're you know we're working out the 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 the, the details of the whole thing. Okay, now here here's a question that I had: Are we are we setting it up to swap physical printed media, or are we swapping print res files? Uh, I had said initially. Um, I, I don't like the swapping files thing personally. Like, I think we should send prints back and forth personally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's much more fun. Cause then you're actually getting the thing that came from the hand of the person and it's I, looks the I'm, way yeah. you want it I've to look. I've got no judgment. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. What do you want to do? Okay. So I, I just, I'm working on it. So if this works out, I think this is the way to do it. And it's a little more ad hoc than we had originally imagined, but I'm okay, okay with that. You know, and maybe it evolves. You know, that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, if it, if it takes off and does something, then, then maybe we look at how to make it more, yeah you know, or how to make it less ad hoc. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But I, I think, I think yeah. it's, I think it's going to work. And, uh, so I'll, we'll figure that out. Okay. Um, okay. Photographer of the week. This is the, I had no idea. So this, you, you take the lead on this. Uh, this would be high Peskin. High Peskin was a sports photographer from way back in the day. And somebody actually sent in a link to us about this, which is why I know about it. Okay. Who, who did they, wait, who did they, when did they send uh, it in? 19, born 1915 in Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, died in died Israel. To, yeah. Died in Israel 2005. Yeah. So guy lived a long life. Yes. And uh, the reason why somebody sent this in, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I can't remember. I think maybe it was on Twitter. Um, Sent this in a uh, famous shot of Hogan hitting a one iron uh, at Marion at, uh, during the U.S. Open. That'd be Ben Hogan, right? Yes. Yeah. And High was was shooting that day and apparently only took one picture that day. And that was the picture. Wow. And nowadays the photographers can't get behind the people. And apparently he the guy was really sick. Uh, Hogan was really sick and, and, and didn't know if he could keep playing. And pulled out the one iron and shot this great shot and ended up winning or whatever it is. I don't know the official thing. Uh, but the point is, is that apparently all the other photographers ran around the front to get the front of him shooting. And High went around the back and took, the, took what is arguably the most famous photograph in golf. Right? Mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. the, the picture that everyone thinks golf is going to be like when they start playing golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a it's a wonderful photograph. We'll put all this in the show notes. Uh, and there, there's an article on GolfChannel.com uh, about the history of the shot and, and a little bit about High and, and how he how he happened too, which was kind of amazing. Um, and if you go look at some of his other pictures, uh, the guy was taking. You got to remember, this guy was taking uh, uh, sports photographs when you were still using speed graphics, right? So, you yeah, know, you're not, you're not shooting at 14 frames per second. Right. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is this is, you know, uh, finding the right moment and all that get up. You know, there's some fantastic pictures of boxing in his portfolio. We'll it, we'll put up a if you do a Google image search for high Peskin, H.Y. And then it's Peskin. Uh, there are some amazing uh, shots from boxing. Uh, there's a great shot from Sports Illustrated of, of Bob Cousy in 1956 uh, 
doing basketball and it's like they pop the flash a bunch of times like Howard Schatz does. Like a, like a stroboscopic type thing? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, Great photographs stuff. of uh, uh, Jack Kennedy. Yeah, and then some of the color stuff. Yeah. Like some of those basketball color shots. I mean, you know, I don't know the exact year of those things, but it is crazy. Like the the, the look, it's sort of that that 50s Kodachrome look, but with flashes, but they're obviously in really dark rooms that he's doing. I don't even know how he lit this stuff. It's just, you know, I would have a hard time doing this stuff nowadays with all the tech we have. The fact that these guys were getting these shots this long ago is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, but, it, you know, something different. We don't normally talk a lot about, I mean, we've done, I think, one or two sports photographers in the past. And, uh, you know, I think they get, even though I'm not into sports, I think these guys get short shift when it comes to uh, yeah. respect. Yeah. Especially I mean, look, when they're look, at this level where it's, it's, it, this really is art. This isn't just taking pictures of guys playing baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody like hi, it's like, like you were saying, shooting with the kind of camera that he shot. It's, it's about not only capturing the moment, but anticipating when that moment is going to happen. Yeah. knowing when and, to play and, your dark slide out. Yeah. And being <laughs> right place, right time. It's fantastic. No, it's, it's, it's really, really good. And we're going to put some stuff in the show notes. And this guy was around for a long time. Um, there's a nice picture of him too, holding a speed graphic, you know, about to take his pictures. And he also has a 35 millimeter camera there too. But, uh, you know, this is, this is back in the day when it was much harder to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, though, you know, the interesting thing though, is that I wonder nowadays if it's getting more difficult because there's even more restrictions on where photographers can go with these things. You know what I mean? You can't just walk around as a photographer nowadays. It's like, you have to be in the photographer section. You're all shooting from the same spot with 400 millimeter lenses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder well, if and, and now the, uh, anything, uh, pro lenses are being, are being banned from right. events. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that means, you know, you whatever know. that means. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I wonder if in some ways the access that guys had back then, uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, counteracted the, 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 the technology hurdle. Maybe. Yeah, especially some of the baseball shots where they're literally, you know, on the field, on the field, a couple feet away from these guys. Now you'd be, you know, on the on the far side of the dugout. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but some really good stuff in there. And so High Pascan is our photographer of the week. It's a. Uh, it's good. And I'll see if you know, I'm going to go to Amazon and see if there's a book and we'll throw it in the show notes. Hey, I was thinking about show notes. I'm going to do this to you on the air just to put you on the put you on the thing. So I'll put you on, on the, the spot. On the spot? Should yeah, because you never, you never do that. Should we uh, start a MailChimp thing for the show notes so people subscribe to it and it comes to their email? Uh, I would say yes. Okay. Look, I, so, I, I love getting things like that. I subscribe to several things. And, you know, sometimes you forget or, you know, you, you, it would be nice to get the show in, a, in a, a, a podcast app of your choice, but then also uh, be able to get the show notes as well so you don't have to go hunt for them. Even though it's the same place, it's still it, it, one less thing right, yeah, to right. worry about. So anyway, I, I was just thinking maybe we should do that. And yeah, it's so a good idea. We'll set it up and I'll, we'll, we'll figure that out for next week. Yeah, it's um, a great idea. But uh, yeah, and then we get the show notes in there and you guys can uh, click away. And somebody wrote me the other day. He said, he said, please let me give you money and support the show or something along those lines. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, look, you can do that. You can look, looking at our sponsors. That's a great way to do it. A number of you have started Squarespace sites. Um, if you go to ontakingpictures.com, which I know is not the normal site for this stuff because we're on five by five. But if you go to ontakingpictures.com, uh, over on the right hand side, there's, you know, 
there's an Amazon.com link. So if you click through there, anything you buy on Amazon, you know, the affiliate stuff works for us. So if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon, do that. There's also a tip Jeffrey and Bill. So, you know, you could, you could set up a $1 or $5 a month uh, tip for us. So every month it'll, you know, tip us a buck or five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it is, which, hey, uh, help support the show. We appreciate it. And uh, we love all of you. So we're, we're, we're glad to be doing it. Yeah. Um, so anything left? Let's see. Uh, you can find the show at 5by5.tv slash OTP slash 60, which will be this episode. If you just go to 5by5.tv slash OTP, you'll get the main website on, uh, on 5by5. Um, I am at Bill Wadman on Twitter. You're at Jeffrey Sidoris, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S, E-R-Y-D-D-1-R. Yep. On Twitter, uh, you're at Faded and Blurred. I'm at OnTakingPictures or BillWadman.com. And uh, is there anything else? Oh, no. Podcast at OnTakingPictures.com. Send us an email. We like email. Yeah, we love emails. Uh, Anything Uh, else? uh, No. Uh, Mike, if you're listening... Uh, I hope let we us, answered it. <laughs> yeah, ho- hope we answered it. And and if if you're cool with uh, with letting us share your email because it is a really wonderful email, yeah. uh, let us know. Yeah, it's really really good stuff. Yep. Uh, all right, heavy one. Sorry for the wow, that was heavy. It's good stuff. I like it. All yeah. right, we'll be back next week with more. Yep. We'll see you soon. Have a great week. Say